We're back with another episode of Gain, Grow, Retain. And today we've got Gal Biran, who is the uh, founder and CEO of a company called Crowdvocate. So uh, Gal, appreciate you uh, joining us today and uh, hopping on the phone. Thank you. Appreciate you taking the time to dive into customer marketing. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so I'll start off with a I'll start off with a hard question, um, and I like to you know throw people for a loop uh, a little bit. So if you had to pick one superhero, you know that you you like that you uh, assimilate to that you would want their superpowers, like what would that be? What who would that be, or what what superpowers would you take? Oh dear, um, I'll take Gal Gadot just because we have a similar name and we're both from Israel, and she's you know Wonder Woman and you know strong, smart, beautiful, successful, and whatnot. Uh, I think her superpower is her actual wits. You know, all the rest comes with with you know the job. But I think you know that's what I love about her, and even in her personality, I mean, she's she's pretty cool. So I like I'll it. Go <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Um, I like to I like to you know start with some some uh, interesting questions to hopefully you know get get out of the way uh, some personal anecdotes and and get into some other stuff. But tell us a little bit about Crowdvocate and um, kind of how you you came up with that. How you know what you guys are are doing over there, and then we'll dive into a couple of topics or questions here. Cool. Thank you. So um, Crowdvocate is a customer marketing uh, and advocacy automation platform for B2B companies. I mean, we all know loyalty programs, advocacy from consumer world, you know, miles and more, whatever Starbucks rewards, whatever you want to call it, you know. Um, but B2B, of course, is, is a whole different game. And, and when you look at how can you run uh, life cycle marketing to your existing customer base, how do you turn customers into advocates? How does all of that um, within the current tech stack and you know with marketing automation and with customer success and, and, and kind of how all that all those pieces pull together that's kind of what customer marketing is I, I think it's the glue in a way it's it's like being able to connect between marketing activities sales activities customer success activities to more programmatic programs that actually go into um, your customers as a whole but also as individuals uh, along their life cycle and journey and understanding customers and, and, and reaching out to them at scale, but with very kind of specific requests around their journey. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, I feel like it's been the evolution over the last couple of years where, where companies have started to realize how big um, of an opportunity this really is and putting focus and, and now putting this name, you know, customer marketing around it, um, at least in B2B SaaS, you know, I think um, a couple of other ways that I think our audience thinks about this is, um, tech touch or automation, when you start thinking about your uh, kind of segmentation models, when people start talking about, you know, I've got a long tail of customers, I need to put technology and automation. Um, and I think that's also, you know, evolving, which is good, because I think people are realizing it's got to be more than just technology that fits in there. There actually has to be strategy, um, insight, and kind of forethought of, you know, not only are we going to be pushing out messages, and, and what are the mediums we're doing that, but at the same time, like we need, actually need to have valuable messages and then we need to understand how this is impacting that customer's journey. So I'm curious if you've seen a similar evolution in terms of people in the B2B SaaS world kind of um, embracing customer marketing more and starting to realize how big of an opportunity this can really be. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, um, we've been around for three years now. And uh, when we started, you know, I would look at, at, at LinkedIn just to look at jobs, you know, or whatnot and customer marketing advocacy. And, you know, there were a few jobs here and there. Um, but um, Today, there's thousands of them. Like we, we always like to look at, you know, the, we, we compare it to demand generation or acquisition jobs, again, in marketing. Of course, customer success is a, diff, a bit of a different domain. Um, but like there's thousands of jobs. Every day I see a few new jobs around customer marketing, customer advocacy, references. And I think, you know, COVID even, even kind of expedited it in a way because we are in a ever more digital reality and ever more need to engage customers at scale uh, and understand their journey and generate 
revenue from your existing customers and now just you know relaying on bringing more and more new customers all the time so uh, we definitely see a strong trend around that um, in the market yeah I think another evolution that we've, we've noticed as well is that um, I feel like in the past as a consumer yourself as a buyer you probably get hundreds you know hundreds if not thousands of emails each year from uh, from all these different platforms that you're working with or from these consumer companies that you buy from and so I think the other uh, evolution that we're seeing. And, and I think that is like a natural progression uh, as you start to combine kind of customer marketing, customer success, community, and education, it starts to really, um, all of these things and these experiences start to fuse together and being able to um, articulate some of those messages across different platforms um, is I think becoming more critical as well, because um, again, I, I don't think open rates are probably increasing uh, over time. And so becoming, uh, becoming a little bit more creative, how are you getting the message to your customers? Um, and so I think like you were, you know, the path you were going down about, um, you know, the life cycle of a customer, understanding where they are, how are we impacting them? Um, and then not only delivering a message, you know, via email, but what are the other mediums and channels that you have? And so I'm curious from, from your standpoint too, like, are, what are some of the other like channels or mediums or ways that you feel like um, companies are actually reaching out to their, their customers um, on that life cycle to kind of talk about advocacy, talk about the value that they're getting from the product. I'm curious if you've seen any creative ways that companies are doing that. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, first of all, I think, you know, one thing to understand is that in B2B, it definitely has to be more contextual. So, I mean, if I take the consumer world, it's more one-offs, right? I bought, bought a Nike shoe. Now they want me to give a review and maybe I can get a Nike badge or a star, or, you know, and, and if I buy enough coffees, I'll get a free, you know, Starbucks or whatnot. But um, in B2B, because the journey is longer and there's so many other touch points and people don't necessarily do things just for another $5 Starbucks coffee or whatnot. Um, it has to be also more contextual and you get context from understanding the, the persona, the account, um, the journey, et cetera. And then yes, the ability to basically reach out to them because I just had a call the other week with, with somebody who told me they have like over 90 marketing systems. Of course that, you know, when you have so many systems, it's very hard to track and it's very hard to communicate with customers, but um, being able to reach out to customers. So of course by email, but then more so by in-app and pop-up messages within their journey in the community, a community, you know, many times communities are, are, are disconnected from other type of activities, but, but why is that? I mean, communities should actually be part of the user's journey. They should actually be part of the holistic understanding of your customers. So, I mean, in communities, even in events, virtual events make it easier to do digital engagement, digital touch points as well. So in-app messages, pop-up messages, text, Slack, people build, you know, Slack with their customers. Um, Many, you know, we've had requests in China for WhatsApp and, you know, in, in India for, for, for uh, sorry, for uh, WhatsApp and, and uh, WeChat and all these different kind of chat messaging platforms. So you do see some kind of relationship between what people use as consumers, the ways they message as consumers with brand versus, you know, what they do also in B2B, but definitely being able to reach out to them as part of their journey and all their touch points is, is a crucial, I think, to, to actually get conversion and get their, their attention. Yeah, I can tell you, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of in that same boat that you just mentioned about, you know, platforms and looking at uh, just what do we use on a daily basis that uh, we have to keep track of customers, we're engaging with them, like what are all the, the things that we have internally just to, to take care of, which is uh, starting to become more and more and multiply. And I think the challenge that, you know, continues to happen and that we see is that the, the data still stays so disparate. Uh, as much as people talk about, you know, bringing data together and making connections, 
it just is always so much harder than it seems or it should be. And so um, I'm curious, you know, again, kind of thinking a lot of times the way we like to, to try and break it down for our audiences is thinking about, you know, what are what are some of the first steps that you can take? Like, What are some of the uh, in Excel things that you can do before you go buy a platform? Like, how can you kind of start to define what do you actually need um, in the technology in the future? And so, you know, from, from your standpoint of, of going down this customer marketing and, and advocacy route, you know, what do you feel like customer success leaders or marketing leaders can be doing to even just get this off the ground and start to see, hey, is this something that we need to be investing in over time? Um, so kind of what's that first step you feel like people can take? Yeah, I think, I mean, I always say the first step is actually um, understanding your company's objectives. So, I mean, we just started 2021. If your objective in this year is, for example, to increase, I don't know, referrals, right, or revenue, or re increase references because you're going more to the enterprise market and you need more references for your customers, or maybe you need more reviews, or maybe you need whatever upsell. I mean, first understand as a company, what are the objectives that the company has and that are not really clear how you reach those at scale or how do you leverage tap into your customer base to reach those at scale. And then you just map two, three objectives that make sense to you, make sense to the company, because that's how you get buy-in. Then you can come and say, okay, I know that you know upsell or whatever referrals or reviews are one of our core strategic objectives for this year or this quarter. Um, I know that we need to kind of 10X that or scale that. It's very hard to do that with Excel and email or spreadsheet and email. Um, so let's kind of think we have the customer base. We know what we want to do with them. Now the question is how. So, I mean, first thing is just tapping into your company's objectives for, for the year and, and, and trying to kind of sort out three to five objectives that customer base can help you uh, win ground with. And then think about how do we make that happen? How do we make our customers help us win those, you know, areas, those objectives with or without a platform? Probably when you start going into the details, you see, okay, you know, um, we have one of our customers without getting in, they have like a hundred references a month. When you reach that level of 100 reference calls a month, it's very hard to maintain it with you know a spreadsheet and, and an email, which is what they've been done been doing for a while. And you actually start, um, if you will, slowing down deal or slowing down the business because you can't move enough the pace of your customer's demand. So I mean, the the the, the second thing would be after I map those objectives, trying to see in which places within those objectives we're doing fine, or we have the resources, or we kind of got it figured. And in which places we're actually realizing that, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure I can say that on a, on a podcast, but we're screwed and we actually need to, you know, uh, figure out a different tactic, a different strategy, maybe a different tool to get that done. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like this. Um, you know, and I think the the first part too, going back to, you know, mapping objectives, I think people sometimes kind of gloss over that, you know, is this really becoming a priority in the business this year? Um, are you going to get some buy-in? Um, and trying to understand that first and foremost. The other thing that I think we're we've started to take a look at just in um, kind of early days as well. Um, I don't, you know, we're we're certainly um, getting down a path of having to build advocates and um, getting into kind of tracking and measurement in in some more sophisticated ways. But one of the early things that we try to do is just even start with um, an Excel sheet of who are our customers and who do we know are having positive experiences right now. Like just even knowing who they are. Um, you know, have they bought more for us from us re recently? Are they having positive outcomes with our tool or system? And so um, I even think, you know, sometimes people gloss over that of, of looking at your successful customers and trying to even just identify inside of your customer base right now, like who's having a good time, who's not, who's having positive outcomes. And then can I even start to look at maybe attributes of those companies that um, start to help me articulate, hey, these types of companies, maybe it's the uh, the industry they're in, maybe it's the, the size company they are, the type of, um, the type of, 
users or the amount of users they might have in the product. So some of these things might be able to help us describe and look for future ones. But I think even looking at that uh, in an Excel sheet was really valuable for us to um, kind of get our hands around that and understand um, kind of how many do we have right now? What's the type of way we want to reach out to them? But uh, I think it goes, it kind of fits in between your your points uh, or maybe even just after your, your second point there, which is kind of, um, you know, identifying what the, the opportunities are inside the business, identifying kind of where your your gaps are potentially, and then trying to understand even, you know, within those gaps, like what's the process that you'd even want to implement um, before you even go look to technology? Definitely. And, and it varies between company sizes, you know, uh, um, some companies you write would work, many companies would work with that spreadsheet, you know, and, and just have a list of all the people that are, you know, advocates, potential advocates, known advocates, willing for, um, and maybe they're, they'd ask CSMs to, to let them kind of help them know who those are. Maybe they ask, uh, you know, sales, maybe they just look at some data. Of course, that's part of what, what companies uh, um, can do to start the whole process. Um, I think, you know, the interesting part is that, that some companies, they even have that to begin with, but the problem is that it's very much, I would call it a moment in time. So at this time, their NPS is high. At this time, they're a happy customer. At this time, they just upselled or renewed or whatnot. But to, what does that tell us about them two months from now, three months from now, not too much. Um, and if somebody, for example, is in your reference pool and you need them on a call, they join the reference pool now and right now they're super happy, but you need them on a call in three months time, Maybe they're still super happy. Maybe they're not. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, um, that be, that's where it becomes, you know, uh, I think, again, it goes back to what are you trying to achieve and just make sure that those things you can you can manage. I wouldn't, another tip would be not to overload yourself. I mean, I see sometimes a team of one, you know, customer. So the company said, okay, we're, we're you know, we're, we're, we're going bold on customer marketing or advocacy. We're going to have one person full-time employee dedicated for that role. Um, and then they expect that one person to, to do everything, like you manage references and, and reviews and customer stories and, and whatnot. And, it, and it's really impossible. I mean, you, you need to, if it's a small team, if you're just starting, figure out those two, three initiatives that you want to um, excel in instead of just going, you know, spread on the whole thing, but not managing anything correctly. Um, but definitely starting with that, that spreadsheet, that agreed list of potential advocates and trying to see if there's any common uh, attributes between them is a great start for sure. Uh, when, when If you have nothing at all to begin with. And there's always a list. You start asking your salespeople, you'll find out that they have people that they use for references for years now, of course. Yeah. You start asking customer success and you'll find that they have, each one has a list of some customers they always feel comfortable to reach out to. Right? I mean, you'll find out that everybody has their short list of two to three, four people. You just need to aggregate all those people to one list and suddenly you have 40. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the... The other part that you were you were talking about that I keep thinking um, and going back to is this uh, also this idea of just gaining momentum inside the organization. And I feel like to your point, if you kind of go too thin and too broad and try and do too much at one time, it you kind of lose momentum because you're trying to juggle too many too many uh, balls in the air at one time, and um, then your your team doesn't know which one to focus on. And it kind of goes back to your whole point of defining some of the initiatives and the objectives. Uh, and so I think about that a lot. Like how how can you go really uh, deep on two or three and get momentum and make it really easy for your other teammates to help you along that path. Right. Like, um, like I was part of a company one time and we had, uh, a 10 to 12 step process to, to help define, you know, who an advocate was. And in my mind, you know, looking at that process, it just stifled me already. Cause I was like, I don't want to go through these 10 steps that I have to fill all this information and do all these things. And so before we even got it off the ground, it was like, we lost momentum on the, on the idea. And it goes back, I think, to the point you were making, which is kind of sitting with two or three key focuses, trying to understand how do we just get, you know, from point zero to point one, just to try and get it off the ground. 
uh, and get momentum with all the, the teams that we have in place. Uh, right. So I think about that that a lot of, of how do you not stifle momentum when you start thinking about introducing these types of programs internally? Yeah, I totally agree. I think so, so one thing would be, of course, don't make them cumbersome. I mean, uh, again, we can take something that many people probably know is a process, which is a reference call. And then suddenly, if you have to have, you, you build this endless workflow where, you know, we need to nominate people for a reference, but they only have to meet this type of criteria. Then whenever they go on a reference call, we need five different people to approve the fact that they can actually take that call right now. Um, then after, you know, when, the, when, when they even were approved to take that call, we need, you know, this and that steps to happen to actually set that call. You know, you're suddenly creating so cumbersome processes that it's never going to work. Um, not for, for the salespeople, they just don't have the time to waste on, you know, all these processes when they're on a deal. And not for, for, for the other, you know, for the customer himself or even for the internal people at like customer success or whatnot. So, I mean, sometimes from wanting so much to protect the customer and create, you know, the perfect process and, uh, you know, be, be whatever, you know, maybe may great reasons, but you, you kind of, I don't know, uh, washing away, you know, the baby with the water or whatnot. And, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. kind of, you should yeah. keep simple. You might make mis mistakes. Okay, you know, everybody does. But I mean, keep it simple, start rolling it out and learn as you go. Maybe you need another approval step. Fine. Maybe you need a better qualification to who's an advocate and who isn't because after you ran for two months, you figured out that you made a few, a few of them didn't fit. Fine. But don't overcomplicate it in the beginning, actually oversimplify it in the beginning and then add thresholds if you need going on. Yeah. And I think the the other thing that uh, over my career I've gotten more comfortable with is just kind of the honesty and transparency you can you can actually take with some of your customers who are going into that program, right? Saying, hey, you know, we're starting this advocacy program and my objective is to use your time as most effective as possible. And, you know, we're not going to get it right, right off the bat. And I know that. And so I want you to, you know, you to be comfortable with that, but again, like know that we're on the same page here that I really value your time. I value that you're doing this for our customers uh, or for our potential customers. Um, and so, you know, I, I want you to give us feedback so that we can improve this along the way. Cause at the end of the day, nobody wants to waste anybody's time in doing this. Um, and to your point, like we want to make sure we've got good advocates who are willing to reference and do all these things. Um, but also setting that expectation up front to say, Hey, you know, this is something that we're just starting as a company. Um, and like, you know, you're going to go through some lumps with us, but setting that expectation up front. Cause I think I've seen in other cases, I've actually been part of some reference programs and referral programs before where they didn't really prepare me for that. And it, you know, halfway through, I'm feeling, man, you're, you're kind of wasting my time. I'm talking with prospects that don't, aren't even at the, the stage that I would really want to talk to somebody at, you know, they're still in the, you know, deciding it, uh, kind of which, which vendors are in their selection, you know, process and all these other stages that maybe don't matter to me. And, um, and so I think just that honesty and transparency can be really valuable, um, for that relationship that you're trying to continue establishing, building credibility, all those things down the line. Definitely. I mean, for me, these, the baseline of advocacy is understanding that your customer can become your partner. Um, that's where we came into this to begin with. I mean, um, so, and if you understand that your customer can be your partner, no matter their title, no matter, you know, whatever. I mean, the whole idea is getting feedback from them. It's not just about asking them to do stuff. It's about also, you know, generating value for them, giving them the ability to, to kind of share their voice and whatnot. Uh, so, of course, you have to, when you roll out, be transparent with them and ask them, guys, um, let us know what works for you and what doesn't. Let us know where, where we got it right and where we should actually tweak it a bit. Um, you know, maybe, and the whole program is built on feedback. Same way you want product feedback and you want service feedback. You definitely want also feedback on your different programs. Maybe the process is wrong. Maybe the rewards don't make any sense to them. Maybe they're pulled, like you said, in the wrong times or, or in the wrong ways and, and the matching doesn't really work. Um, maybe they just didn't get the value and once you iterate the value better, it's even. So, I mean, definitely be sure to ask people all the time, tell them, hey, you know, 
this is our first program or whatever, a revamp program. We would, you know, your advocates, part of being advocates is giving us feedback. Definitely tell us everything we need to improve and we'll, you know, we'll try to do our best that it works great for us and for you. Yeah. One, one area I'm curious to, to get your thought about too is um, I think people's natural inclination is to jump to um, like a monetary benefit or incentive, right? Like, hey, if you're part of our advocacy program, like the, I think the easiest thing to think about is like monetary, monetary um, kind of retribution, so to speak, for, for, for doing this for us. And so I'm curious from your standpoint, though, like what are other ways that people can be thinking about the value for a customer to become an advocate for us and to partake in some of these, um, you know, situations, scenarios, like partake in some of these phone calls, reference calls, uh, giving us feedback, you know, doing things in the community, other things that can, can be part of that. So I'm curious if there's a couple that come to mind for you that people maybe overlook uh, when thinking about some of the benefits that could come. Yeah, definitely. So first of all, I mean, I would even ask my advocates what makes what what could be valuable for them. But if you talk about what, what companies are doing in their programs, creative companies. So, I mean, one thing is, for example, aligning on, on co-marketing. So if you're looking at, you know, um, C-level type of advocacy, right, you know, having people who are more senior speak in events, um, do a customer story, a testimonial, whatnot, you basically need to reposition the whole thing. Again, we talked about partnership and saying, hey, you know what? We're partnering on building your brand and building our brand together. We're also going to do co-marketing. So this whole advocacy program is really about building both brands together and building the, your, let's say, you know, Joe Schmo, whatever, C CEO, um, building your personal brand while we do so. So, I mean, it, he or she don't care about, you know, again, a gift card. Um, they care about building their brand as a company and their personal brand as an individual. So, I mean, that would be one way of looking at it and just really building, a, a, you know, a work plan for the next three months, six months, even a year of co-marketing partnership activities we do together to, you know, and you're right, at the end it's a customer story or it's a testimonial. But with that customer story or that testimonial, if, if it gets a lot of, you know, PR, social amplification, whatnot, it also builds both that company's brand and that person's brand as well as just, you know, you as a vendor. So, that's one thing. Another thing is like, uh, for example, even helping them with, with things that are relevant to your services. So instead of giving them, right, again, a gift card or some kind of monetary reward, you can say, okay, you know what? We have this training and certification. You can get that for free. Or, or we have, you know, an annual event. We don't do those so much in the past year, but we have an annual event. Uh, you can get a free pass to that or a VIP pass to that or whatever. Um, you could have them basically, you know, network. For example, you could say, because you're in this, uh, you know, it's like a community, which is a big value of communities networking, but then you take it even like, if you will, to an, an even higher level where you're saying, you know, we're going to connect you with not the entire customer base, not the entire community, but only the whatever, 100 people in your title, in your role, in your country or in your whatever product line. So, I mean, there's a lot of different values that could be given to, you know, advocates have a speak with our CEO once a year or with our whatever, you know, head of product. I mean, you need to ask them, but there's so many things they rather get than a gift card. Um, in some cases, a gift card is fine. Don't misunderstand me, but I'm just saying, or a swag or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, I like the the point that you just made the first one, which is just ask, because I think um, a lot of times, again, people start to think about scaling programs and scaling programs tends to mean just kind of, I don't want to say watering everything down, but it just means that you're starting to kind of give similar experiences to many people and making some large generalizations. And so I think even just asking like, what's going to be important to you? And then how can we go, um, maybe not reformat the entire program, right? But maybe we've got a couple of different levers that we can pull uh, inside of the program that make more sense for you. Like you said, the second thing I loved was um, personal brand. I, I mean, this is something that we've spent time on, Jay and I, over the last 
um, you know, year is building our personal brand and how that can move with you, right? Like that's a building your own personal brand is uh, kind of a safety net in your career. Cause it's like that, the connections you make, the, the notoriety, the, um, the content that's out there, like that stuff lives on for so long that it's going to follow you to the next company you go work at, or to, uh, you know, to getting an advisor position or doing whatever you want to do in your life like that, that will, will carry so much weight. Um, and then the third point I love too, which is, um, a lot of times when you think about advocacy programs, it's, Hey, do a reference call for us or, Hey, uh, you know, come, come speak at our conference or come speak at X, Y, and Z, but almost reversing that to say, Hey, like, we we'll, we want your business also to get benefit out of this too, right? Like we, if we're building, you know, uh, our brand as a as a business, um, then you should want to be your business should be wanting wanting to do that as well. And if we actually have a partnership here, um, like this actually works in a harmonious way where we both believe in what we're doing, what each other's businesses are doing, we believe in this partnership. Like this is gonna be something that we're gonna do for years. So um, I love that point too. The um, the last last area I kind of wanted to dive into um, when you think about this is. And we've talked, we've maybe skirted around it a little bit, but um, what is like, what is like the number one kind of like faux pas or like, what is the number one thing that you see people just make a mistake on, like kind of like right out of the gate when they start thinking about customer marketing or advocacy programs? Like, is there anything that you feel like is a common mistake um, that people or organizations make when they're trying to get this off the ground? Um, and can you help our audience avoid what you think that mistake is um, if, you've, if you've seen something that's uh, similar across you know, the industry? Um, there's a few mistakes, and I think it really differs between the, you know, the maturity level of the company, the size of the company. So I'll name a few things that we see. Um, I think one thing is, you know, the whole issue of ownership. Uh, I'm not a fan of ownership or, you know, who owns the customer or whatnot. Um, but I think, generally speaking, somebody has to, to kind of manage customer advocacy. I don't, you know, at this point, I don't even care if they sit under customer marketing or customer, under marketing or under customer success or whatever product. Like anywhere, I don't care. They can sit under the R and D department. <laughs> but I mean, um, not, seriously, having somebody that knows that that's her job or his job, having somebody that that understands that you know, they are now the people who need to brainstorm this with the customers, brainstorm this with internal uh, stakeholders in the company, and really be able to to build the program and maintain it. That that's one thing. When when you get companies that say, you know what, somebody in customer success is going to own, you know that 5% of it. And then somebody in the management is going to own that other 7% of it. And then, you know, product team is going to own that 11% of it. And then you kind of have, it doesn't work. Two things happen. Number one, the customers get overloaded because every stakeholder is going to ask the same customers a different question. Um, and number two, it, the, the programs don't align. It doesn't make sense. I mean, think about miles and more, whatever, frequent fire programs, whatnot. I mean, at the end of the day, the more you do stuff, you're positioned in different places. But if these are this disconnected programs, disconnected initiatives, but by different departments, you don't gain those miles. You, you just, you know, you gain separate miles from, you know, in, in different places. So maybe you can fly 20 times between, I don't know, New York and Boston, but you're never going to get that flight to Europe or whatnot. It doesn't make sense, right? Yeah. I mean, join them together. So um, that that's one thing I would definitely say, find, you know, or agree on some, some department, some person who owns it and looks at the bigger picture. Um, the second thing I would say is, um, there, it's very important to tie it to, to revenue metrics. We've seen companies, you know, uh, historically look at um, fluff metrics, if you will. So like, okay, but how many advocates do we have? What's that even mean? I mean, maybe you have 5,000 advocates, but they're not doing anything. So what makes them an advocate to begin with? I mean, like trying to tie it to metrics that actually measure the value of what they do to the company. 
Why and, and eventually to revenue because that's what companies care about at the end of the day. Um, yep. Why is that so important? Number one, because that's the only way you're going to get management buying and executive buying. Number two, that's the way to get budgets and grow the team. Number three, because it really makes sense. I mean, you're not building advocacy for the sake of advocacy. You're building advocacy to support business objectives, whatever they are. And those business objectives are most likely aligned with some revenue-oriented goals. So building advocacy, and this is, again, in marketing today, it's changing. But, you know, when it sits under marketing, in the past, marketing was, yeah, but, you know, we've, we've had so-and-so number of whatever, email opens and clicks and whatnot. And, and you know, who cares? But, but I mean, uh, it's, it's, and marketing has totally evolved and much more mature today. And, and it, it measured attribution, it measured the shit out of everything, it measures too much. But, but I mean, um, at the end of the day, if you can't show that all this program is somehow, you know, associated with, with, with business goals and, and revenue, then, then it's not going to be a sustainable program in your company. Um, so that's different. Another thing to do. Um, I'd say the last thing is we talked about it, but just to make sure that, it, you know, that, that we anchor that. Talk to your customers about it. Don't think that you know the program. Don't think that a consultant necessarily knows all the answers. Uh, really, the, per the person who knows the answers is your customers because it's your domain, your industry, your product, your customers. Different roles have different objectives. You might, you know, C-level people might have their objectives, their kind of, you know, motivation and their things they're willing to do. Uh, administrators, power users, practitioners have different objectives, different, you know, things that you can do. So, I mean, being able to actually talk to your customers and build a program with them is a great way to make sure that you're actually going to make it successful. Yeah, man, those are three good ones. Um, and I, I don't actually have like nothing to add um, to those because I think those are good um, kind of tactical manageable things that people can be can be looking out for um, across this this life cycle of, you know, trying to start advocacy and customer marketing and trying to get it off the ground. Um, so Gal, this has been awesome. Um, I appreciate you uh, coming on. If people wanted to find you or find your company, where's the easiest place to go do that? So, um, you know, we're crowdvocate.com, pretty easy to find us. Uh, and um, I'll even, you know, LinkedIn, I'm always there too much. <laughs> my time I spend over there probably. Um, and yeah, I'll give out my email, gal.viran at crowdvocate.com so they can always reach out. Awesome. Well, appreciate you coming on today and we'll have to do this again here uh, here in the near future and um, get some more discussion going around this topic because I know it's it's pretty frequent in our community and uh, in Gangro Retain, our, our leaders are, are starting to think about this more and more. Um, and like you said, I think it's been, uh, an evolution, and but I think last this last year has really uh, kind of forced forced the mechanism uh, and getting making sure our leaky bucket is taken care of, making sure that we're uh, you know finding those advocates in the bucket and uh, how are we attracting new ones. So uh, appreciate the time, and we'll do this again soon. Thank you. I love the community and all the podcasts and the content you're spreading out. So keep keep the good work. Awesome. Thank you. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain Grow Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.